April 10th, 2011. The tune that you just listened to was an artist named uh, Bonobo with a track called Stay the Same. Now, we're going to basically do a week in review. So, if you missed some of the news over the last week, pretty well from April 3rd to about April 10th, we're going to sum up all the major news as well as give you a preview of all of the latest and greatest books that are coming out uh, this April. So if you're a fan of reading, which obviously you should if you're listening to this uh, podcast or if you're visiting the Good E-Reader blog. So hopefully the gadgets that you use, you are pursuing some sort of literary endeavors with it. So 
We're going to basically kick it off by giving you guys our experiences with a few new gadgets that we've had lately. One is the Asus EEE Note or the EA800. This is the brand new tablet that is pure grayscale, so it has a ton of different levels of uh, grayscale. And we really like this tablet um, for the main the main reason is that it's eight inches. Uh, the resolution is pretty stupendous, uh, 1024 by 768. It does have 64 levels of uh, grayscale. One of the nice things that has going for it is that it has a web browser, but also has a, a rear-facing camera that you can take pictures and shoot in video. Uh, DPI is really good. It's 2540, so if you know anything about DPI, that's what you're like. It is running uh, a Marvel CPU processor. It has four gigs of internal memory, although you can uh, put a micro SD card in there to enhance the memory. The one huge thing that I really like is that it's pretty well the best tablet ever made in order to interact with it via a stylus. So it's a capacitive touchscreen device, which means that it's not resistive and it's not like um, lots of lower quality tablets like uh, the Pen Digital or various other, um, you know, uh, tablets that have a, a resistive light film on it. So this is pure capacitive. It actually comes with a capacitive stylus, and they actually give you a second one for free. Battery life's about um, 13 hours or so, and this is, you know, really the, the best stylus tablet device I've ever seen. It has over 256 degrees of pressure, so with the note-taking apps and things like that, you can do hard lines, soft lines. Uh, it's a great artist tool, and... When it comes to North America, it should be around the $200 range. We got a free preview from uh, Asus uh, from directly from China, so we did have a Chinese version of it, but we were managed to load in the English bootloader on top of it, so most of everything was in English minus a few things like the ebooks and things like that. But if you want to know how to load ebooks on the device, if you want to get a full hands-on review of it, we have a little logo on the Asus EE Note review on our blog, so just check out uh, the the right-hand corner. We have a bunch of sort of review pictures there. You can really check it out. It gives you all the specs. Uh, suffice to say, it's one of the few tablets that sort of blur the line between tablet and e-reader, mainly because this it only does grayscale. It doesn't do color or anything like that, so... Everything's very easy to read. Uh, there is no backlight on this device, so it's more than an e-reader than it is a tablet. But Asus doesn't really go either way and say, this is a tablet, this is an e-reader. They say, this is the EE Note. So check it out if you got a few minutes to check out our review on that. Uh, speaking of other reviews that uh, we've had lately, we got a very sweet Windows 7 tablet, which was... We just reviewed it basically like a few days ago. It's called the XOPC. And we first, we pretty well heard about this about midway last year when they started developing it. And we saw pretty well the end, the end working demo when we were at CES in uh, Vegas in January. What I really like about this is this is pretty well the best Windows 7 Slate computer uh, on the marketplace. So if you're looking for a tablet 
that has Windows 7 that will run all of your applications, uh, such as um, you know IRC, FTP, uh, if you're looking to connect up uh, via VPS, if you want to run any type of uh, apps that you would on your PC, like Photoshop or any of that type of stuff, it'll all work on this tablet. The screen is huge. It's 11.6 inches, so it's way larger than, uh, say, the Apple iPad or uh, the Motorola Zoom. The resolution is tremendous, too. It's 1366 by 768. It does have uh, an Intel Atom Pineview 1.66 gigahertz processor and two gigs of RAM. So it's not exactly brimming with like dual core or anything like that, but it does make up for it that it does have a 32 gigs of a solid state. So having a solid state built-in drive really does make most of the apps load up very, very fast. It does have an accelerometer, so you can put it to landscape and horizontal mode, but we noticed uh, when you put it, say, from portrait to landscape, there is the screen does go black for a few seconds before it automatically refreshes. So it's not like a seamless experience like you would experience with, say, like the Apple iPad or uh, the Motorola Zoom. It does have a lot of ports, so you can uh, throw in a USB flash drive. You can put in uh, a USB portable drive to it, so you can load media directly to that. It also has a mini HDMI port, so you can get ported out full HD. It does uh, Wi-Fi and 3G, so you could throw a 3G SIM card in there. And it also has a front-facing 1.3 megapixel webcam. So it's pretty well has everything that you want. Um, I played with a lot of laptops and netbooks, and I mean, this device kills any netbook I've ever had, mainly because if you want a physical keyboard, you can just buy like a Bluetooth keyboard and you can type as you go. Uh, they even give you a stand for it, so it was kind of this high-quality metal stand that has a lot of weight and give to it, so it's not like cheap plastic or anything like that, so you could really just like sit it on a stand, watch a video, or you know, have um, a Bluetooth keyboard in your lap and you can type and go. So, tremendous. One of the cool things that this has is that they give you the full Windows 7 experience. Although, what I noticed is that all the fonts were really, really indicative to a, like a tablet. Most other sort of tablets that have come out in the past with Windows operating systems, you kind of get the, um, the, the overall experience that the icons were small, the fonts were small, you know, the start menu, your programs, all those sort of things were really small and so it made it so if you're trying to click on something, it's sort of hard to click. This tablet made everything rather big without being unobtrusively big. So it sort of has rides the very fine line between everything's big enough to be able to click on with the stylus they give you with it or just hitting things with your hands. And they also developed a, a, an XOPC custom user interface. So this means that you can get the traditional Windows 7 experience that you would normally enjoy, say, on a laptop or a PC. But it also has an XOPC UI, which basically gives you a honeycomb-esque uh, interface where you can drag and drop and install applications that are specifically designed for the XOPC. So Facebook, uh, Twitter... Um, you know, magazines like Wired. So XOPC sort of has this little XOPC store where you can download all the apps for free so you can get pretty well any type of major app on it, but it was specifically customized for the XOPC. So it really sort of 
allows you to be able to get the most out of your device by you know using apps that were tailored specifically for your device and all the popular ones are there they even have a bunch of tv applications that will actually give you free sort of free-to-air uh, television channels so no matter they you know we noticed that they had uh, china channels uh, channels from india channels from uh, japan they had channels uh, like all over the united states and canada so you could really just enjoy free tv and uh, it didn't we were riding it on a wi-fi connection there was no stuttering or anything like that so you know in the end exopc is tremendous uh, it does flash it pretty well does everything it's pretty well if you know how to use like um a pc then this is such a breeze that it was such a pleasure to play with it. Uh, we rated it an 8.5 out of 10. Mainly the drawbacks to it is that it's not dual core, it doesn't have a ton of RAM, so if you're wanting to play like really big games and stuff on it, you might not be able to get away with it. But for your day-to-day -day computing that you would do like on a, on a laptop or a netbook, and specifically there is a lot of tablets out there that, you know... Apple iPad controls a huge chunk of the market, and the rest of the tablets out there are pretty well all Android. So, XOPC is one of the rare kind of treats that really give you the full Windows experience in the form of a tablet. And so, there isn't really a huge learning curve, which I really enjoyed picking up this tablet within like 15 minutes. It was, you know, it wasn't like I lost a step between my normal Windows 7. Uh, how I work with it on a daily basis and then having it on a tablet, there was no learning curve like there is with Android where if you're used to specific apps for Windows, they simply just don't exist on Android or a lot of major publishers um, like such as Electronic Arts and uh, Relic and, you know, um, Rockstar, you know, they don't make games for Android. Uh, they've made games for the Apple iOS, but they don't make it. So you can play any kind of games that really work on PC will work on this tablet. But, you know, you definitely wouldn't want to run a game like Crisis or anything on it that you need sort of a bleeding edge PC. But you can get away with a lot of flash casual games. You can get away with like a lot of sort of simple RTSs and things like that. But just don't expect to, you know, have a bleeding edge uh, first person shooter or anything like that. So those are pretty well the two kind of grand devices that we've reviewed lately. Of course, we did uh, get our hands on the new book by Ogden as well. So the book by Ogden was sort of like a lower end you know they build it as an e-reader but in essence it's a tablet if you've ever seen a sharper image literati this is very much akin to what Ogden the book looks like so the only thing that it really differs is that it does have a web browser and you can watch videos and listen to music on it so um, again it's if you've seen a sharper image literati Ogden the book or the book by Ogden is pretty well very much akin to it. Again, we've done a full review on it. Um, I didn't really like this device. I thought it really kind of lacked in quality. It kind of felt like a really cheap device. Uh, the web experience was tremendously abysmal. Uh, although, you know, we, you know, it, it only cost about $139, so it will get some chunk of the market because um, traditionally Ogden is found in sort of lower quality stores like a Kmart and things like that. So it'll definitely get the casual people kind of uh, picking it up. 
but we really don't recommend it. Um, it really has too many drawbacks um, than really cons. It's not touchscreen. It doesn't really do a lot of things. It reads books kind of well, but the note-taking feature is, you know, it's wretched. Uh, the web browsing experience, everything, um, even if you're on mobile-type sites, that nothing aligns properly. It's like they have some sort of centering issue where the full web page won't be conformed to the screen that you are. It'll be half of the page will load on the screen and then you have to use the joystick that comes with it to move pixel by pixel until you move the edge of the screen. So we pretty well find a web browsing experience was, was horrible and wretched and I would not wish anybody to pick up the organ Although some people have, some people were complaining even with audiobooks that after a chapter was over, it wouldn't just autoplay to the next chapter, but you had to actually physically put push the next page button. So it kind of takes you out of that whole audiobook experience. So it does play audiobooks, but the functionality for audiobooks is horrible. We rated it a 3 out of 10, aka avoid this at all costs. Okay, now that I've kind of summed up a bit about what's happening on the review scene, uh, let's talk about some of the things that have happened in the ebook scene uh, over the last week. Uh, J.K. Rowling, who obviously is the perpetrator between, you know, with the whole Harry Potter franchise, so she is a very rich lady. She's made over six hundred and twenty million pounds uh, through the book sales and the film franchise and she has been a, a staunch advocate of being anti-ebooks so she all you know the last five years she just been ebooks you know she couldn't wrap her head around them but i guess since amazon is selling more ebooks than tangible books books on a two to one ratio and ebook sales just in January alone, which is the slowest month traditionally for sales, um, they managed to sell $90 million worth of ebooks. So she's starting to come around. Her, her assistant basically said that she's strongly now considering uh, the prospect of putting the Harry Potter books in ebook form, mainly because the series is over, all the books that are out are out, so she's not really planning on writing anymore. The series is pretty well complete, so she's thinking about now, now that it's all sort of complete, okay, ebooks might be an avenue that we're looking for, considering how, how much ebooks have really, really matured, you know, over the course of the, about the last two years. They, you know, almost like a rag to riches story where they were sort of a fringe type of thing almost like three years ago and now they are tremendously mainstream and it's suddenly, you know, really anti ebook people are starting to come around and almost starting to see the light. So people are pretty well saying that just the rights to carry her book will spark a bidding war close to about $100 million. So these are people like online publishers like Amazon, 
and and people like that are going to be bidding on the rights to be able to exclusively carry her books for at least a few months before the other companies could start selling ebooks. So this way they could make a ton of sales. And people are saying, you know, if if the Harry Potter books go in ebook form. You know that hundred million dollar investment just to get the rights is going to be doubled or tripled in no time at all. Amazon recently did a thing. Well, not too recently. Maybe a few. Maybe like four or five months ago, they said that author Stig Larsen was the first author to sell over a million Kindle eBooks. So this was July twenty eighth of last year, and so. He was the first one to hit a hot, like uh, a million books. Now, I ha- I'm strongly believe that if the Harry Potter books go to ebook form, I think they could probably sell a hundred million within about five or six months. Uh, just because there's so many people that have been wanting to read ebooks in Harry Potter form, but the only way to to, have t- to do it is to pirate it because. Because official ebooks for Harry Potter don't exist, you have people pirating it, and that was basically the only way to read Harry Potter books, which was almost a great way to identify a pirate site over a legitimate site. Because if the pirate site is offering Harry Potter books, you know that it's quasi illegal. So, yeah, I mean, Harry Potter books, I really do hope that she does come around and they are. You know, published in electronic form, not just because whoever really gets the rights is going to make a crap load of money very, very quickly, but because it's such a beloved franchise and it's really defined almost a generation of readers that grew up with reading this and they sort of went from Harry Potter to more elevated uh, levels of fiction that hopefully with ebook form. They can be accessible, and people will reread it and introduce new readers to it. That you know, read things on their smartphone, or you know, read things on devices such as tablets or e-readers, right? So, let's take a look. And now, now that we're on the subject of e-books, on a lot of the e-book releases that are coming out in April. So. Prewell, we're going to cover all across the genres. I'm going to list maybe about 10 books or so. And these are more or less best-selling authors or cult favorites that a lot of people are pretty excited uh, to read. So some of these books have just come out. But for the most part, a lot of these books are going to be out around the 12th of April all the way to the 19th of April. So there's not a ton of bestseller authors that are coming out with books this month. Most of the bestsellers I've kind of noticed come out in May, just to kind of kick off the whole springtime reading where the weather's a little bit nicer and people are starting to read more outdoors. So uh, the, one of the first books have come out already, April 5th. It's A City of Fallen Angels by Cassandra Clare. And basically the book is just set, if you're familiar with the, her, her body of works, it takes place two months after the events of the City of Glass and there is a mysterious someone killing shadow hunters who used to be in the Valentine Circle and um, you know displaying their bodies in a manner that provokes hostility amongst all the inhabitants and such so it's basically a, like a paranormal urban uh, fantasy type of book so you might want to check that out 
one author who proves to be very popular on our Goody Reader forum and a lot of people sort of talk about her, uh, review her books and so on, is Mary Higgins Clark. She just released a book called I'll Walk Alone and that came out April 5th. So again, with all these books, they're available in ebook format, but they're also available in hardcover as well. So if you don't have an e-reader or a tablet and you're just looking to find out when new books are coming out, with Goody Reader, of course, we, um, again, we don't alienate people who don't have e-readers or don't have portable devices. A lot of people just love the smell and the look and feel of books. I mean, I'm one of them. I mean, I grew up reading books, so um, I buy just as many real books as I do uh, e-books. So this novel, I'll Walk Alone, by Mary Higgins Clark, is a standalone book. And basically, uh, it features um, a character named Alexandra Zan, a gifted, beautiful, interior designer on the threshold of a successful Manhattan career, is terrified to discover that somebody is not only using her credit cards and manipulating her financial accounts to bankrupt her and destroy her reputation, but also may be impersonating her in a, in a scheme that may involve much more brutal crimes of kidnapping and murder. So... It's kind of, uh, you know, how I just described it was sort of um, exactly how the book's going to be happening. So if you're a fan of interior design, murder, credit card, and identity theft, uh, this is a, a modern portrayal of that. Michael Connolly has released a new book also on April 5th called The Fifth Witness. And uh, I'll just read you a little bit about what the book's about. Uh, Mickey Holler has fallen on tough times. He expands his business into foreclosure defense, only to see one of his clients accused of killing the banker she blames in trying to take away her home. Dun dun dun. Mickey puts his team in high gear to exonerate Lisa, even though the evidence and his own suspicions tell him the client is guilty. Soon after he learns that the victim had black market dealings of his own, he is on the right trail. So, danger, murder, intrigue, and so on. The Fifth Witness by Michael Connolly. Uh, Rick Riordan is coming out with a new book called The 39 Clues Book 11, The Vespers Ride is Rising. And this has come out on April 5th. And so this is part of a huge franchise. 39 Clues has proved to be... The books are sort of aimed at kids, but a lot of adults really enjoy reading it too. So Rick is one of the sort of authors that writes, you know, for kids and teenagers, but he also sort of interjects those sort of like adult themed, uh, either with morality or, uh, you know, sort of like tongue in cheek type of things that more mature audience can get into. So, I'll read you a bit about what the book's about. Uh, the Cahills thought that they were the most powerful family the world had ever known. They thought they were the only ones that knew about the Gideon Cahill and his clues. The Cahills were wrong. Powerful enemies, the Vespers, have been waiting in the shadows, and now it's their time to rise, and the world will never be the same. In Vespers Rising, a brand new 39 Clues novel, it's, you know, Rick Riordan... And a ton of other, uh, you know, authors. 
take on the hidden history of the Cahills and the Vespers and the last terrible legacy Grace Cahill leaves with Amy and Dan. Danielle Steele, which is a perennial romantic favorite, also has put out a new book on April the 5th entitled 44 Charles Street, a novel. So it's a standalone novel. Um, it's basically about a character named Aline, a fresh, pretty L.A. transplant who is now a New York City school teacher. And then there's Chris, a young father struggling with his troubled ex-wife and the challenge of parenting a seven-year-old son who visits every other weekend, and Maria, a celebrated cookbook author hoping to start a new chapter in her life after the death of a husband, and a ton of different characters. It's pretty well a bunch of characters who live in an apartment building at 44 Charles Street, and sort of roommates who bond, and housemates, you know, sort of, ventilate their their histories and become fast friends and such and there may be a romantic angle in there as well one of the most celebrated best authors this month is the new Nora Roberts book that comes out on April the 12th so in a few days if you're a fan of uh, Nora Roberts and some of uh, the past uh, books uh, that she wrote of course she's pretty well been on the best-selling you know the best-selling calendar for tons like of time she does uh she writes as jd robb as well so she's done the in-depth series so if you're a fan of that type of thing you know she's written wow she's she has like tons of books like under her uh belt with this book it is a standalone book as well, so you kind of see a trend happening uh, this April where there's a ton of standalone books. So, you might recall that the last novel that she wrote, which is The Search. So, this book is, is celebrating the smoke jumpers. Uh, in Montana, who routinely risk life and limb to beat down raging forest fires. Uh, they're close to any military combat unit, and uh, it's basically about people that, you know, fight forest fires and the dealings between all of them. So, you know, everything from the cook to the girlfriend and babies and everything like that so if you want to check it out we have um, full sort of details of what the book's about as well as uh, Amazon links to the whole uh, Amazon listing of the book so you can read uh, preliminary reviews you can look at cover art and everything like that so if you want to read more about any of this type of stuff you can visit our blog at goodyreader.com slash blog and at the very top navigation bar you see a thing called new ebook releases and you can uh, check out all that information there so I'm kind of just summarizing this uh, just for the sake of uh, making up, not taking too much of your time, but giving you enough that you sort of know what the book is about. Um, there is a new uh, book by Holly Black that's coming out on April the 19th called Beware the Night. And Holly Black is pretty well a really cult favorite in urban fantasy and urban uh, paranormal romances. So, of course, it's all about werewolves, Crane Wives, Kitsune, 
every culture has stories of strange creatures, animals turning into humans, humans shape-shifting into animals, sometimes subductive, sometimes bloodthirsty, but always unpredictable like nature itself. These beings are manifestations of our secret hearts, our desire to belong in both worlds. One tame and civilized, the other unfettered and full of wild impulses. Here are stories that will make you wish you could howl at the moon until your heart bursts with longing or feel yourself shedding your human body as easily as snakes sheds its skin. Beware the night. It may not kill you, but it may certainly steal you away. So it seems like this is maybe short stories and... Also, look out for the new Terry Goodkind book that's coming out this month. It's uh, the newest edition of the Sword of Truth series. So if you're a fan of um, Terry Goodkind, he recently did a television series that didn't do so well. I thought it would be a lot better than what it was. But the books themselves are groundbreaking when it comes to fiction. And he's sold a ton of copies uh, on them. Also, uh, The Sixth Man by David Batticelli. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, April 19th, it's Edgar Roy, an alleged serial killer, held in a secure fortress-like federal complex as awaiting trial. He faces almost certain conviction. Sean King and Michelle Maxwell are called in by Roy's attorney, Sean's old friend and mentor, Ted Bergen, to help work the case. But their investigation is derailed before it begins. En route to their first meeting with Bergen, Sean and Michelle find him murdered. Now it's up to them to ask the questions no one wants to seem answered. Is Roy a killer? Who murdered, who murdered Bergen? With help from some surprising allies, they continue to pursue the case. But the more they dig into Roy's past, the more they encounter obstacles, half-truths, dead ends, false friends, and escalating trends from every direction. Their persistence puts them on a collision course with the highest levels of the government and the darkest corners of power. In a terrifying confrontation that will push Sean and Michelle to their limits, the duel may be permanently parted. Dun, dun, dun. So that about sums it up for the, you know, there's a lot of books, obviously, that come out every month, but we sort of sum up between all the different genres uh, what books are there. Of course, we've missed a bunch. If you think that we have missed, uh, you know, your favorite author or we should have mentioned a book but didn't, uh, please respond to the comment thread at the bottom of this podcast on our blog and uh, let us know what you think. So... Uh, getting into some tablet uh, news, Best Buy is now accepting pre-orders for the BlackBerry Playbook. So this is uh, the Wi-Fi only version, and it's going to be coming out around April the 19th. It comes in three different tiers from 16, uh, 16 gigs, 32 gigs, and 64 uh, Best Buy selling it from $499, $599, and $699, depending on uh, what model that you want to get. If you are into Acer, uh, the Acer Aspire Iconia tab, A100, is up for pre-order in Amazon UK for £299. So if you're into uh, Acer and their new tablet, it's running Honeycomb. It's uh, 7 inches. It's running a dual Cortex A9 processor. It's pretty weak with 512 uh, kilobits or 512 RAM, uh, 8 gig hard drive. So I would say maybe pass on this one. Um, certainly, 
there are probably better investments that you can do, such as uh, the new Samsung, um, the Sam, the new Samsung Galaxy Tab that's coming out. Uh, both the eight-inch and the ten-inch versions would probably be better investments for that. Dell has been working on a ten-inch Windows Seven tablet. But it looks like it's now delayed until fall of 2011. So Dell has made a few tablets. They made uh, the Dell Streak and the Dell Mini 5. And they are working on sort of like um, an enterprise type of tablet. It was codenamed Gallo. And there will also be a, an Android version of it as well. But it looks like that the Windows tablet in general is going to be pushed back until the fall of 2011. So hopefully we might see this at uh, Computex when we're there this year. And if you're not familiar with Computex, it's basically the CES of uh, Taiwan. So we're going to be there from May 29th to about June 6th. And we're going to be there every single day covering all the latest e-readers and tablet news. So if you want to really keep your ear to the ground and find out about stuff as it's happening, um, we heard that... Lenovo, Fujitsu, Dell, Samsung, all the major players are going to be there uh, showing off brand new devices that have been rumored to either be in development or this is going to be sort of their first foray into the public world. So uh, we will be taking pictures, doing interviews, and shooting a whole lot of videos. So uh, make sure to uh, check that out. Since we just mentioned uh, Samsung, and how it would be like a good alternative to the new Acer tablet. They are putting out a Samsung Galaxy Tab Wi-Fi only version. And this is due to come out April the 10th. So it's uh, looking on uh, coming out, uh, you know, probably Monday you can start picking it up. It is running uh, Froyo. So it is 7 inches. It's very much akin to the original Samsung Galaxy Tab. Except it's going to be a lot cheaper because it's... Uh, you don't have to be signed up with a carrier, and obviously Wi-Fi devices are a lot more cheaper to manufacture and for the end user to often pick it up. Uh, you're looking at 349 as being just the price to straight up buy the gadget, while the Samsung Galaxy Tab 3G, it's you know about 699 or 599 just to buy the device straight up if you don't want a contract. So uh, kudos to Samsung for recognizing that a lot of people. Um, don't like to be tied down to a specific carrier and just you know they use 3G maybe sometimes but they're using Wi-Fi more so than anything else so this will have a 32 gig uh, hard drive and you know pretty well you can uh, see this tablet and get it at CompUSA, Tiger Direct, Circuit City and uh, many more locations will be carrying this later but if you want to get it now uh, that's where you're going to get it. Uh, just to give you uh, a heads up, it's still going to have a 3 megapixel and 1.3 megapixel camera. So front facing and rear facing. Uh, same 7 inch 1024 by 600 pixel resolution. It'll also support Adobe Flash Player 10.1. And you still will have access to like the Google Market and everything like that. So you'll be able to... Um, you know, download all of your apps and things like that. So that's what makes the Sony line of uh, tablets good investments 
is that they do have access to the Google market. They do play Flash. So you can get your full web experience out of that, where there's so many budget and entry-level tablets, especially like ones that don't give you Flash at all. They don't give you Android access at all, so you have to use sort of these crummy... Um, you know, third-person markets or, like, these little independent markets. Not to discount, um, like, the SAM 4.0 and, and other markets like that that have really matured, but just for your average user that may buy this device, they have no idea how to load in alternative markets, even though they exist, if they do, which one do you get, and so on. So it can be often confusing and, and, and a daunting experience. Although, if you want to learn more about alternative Google Android markets, on our blog, on our front, on our first page, in one of the columns we have um, category called the best of good e-reader, and we do have some information there on Google Android mar market alternatives as well as direct downloads for all the popular uh, e-reading applications, Kindle, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, and so on. Uh, just to wrap it up, there are a few other uh, things uh, happening in uh, the ebook world and various other worlds. We've done a series of interviews lately with uh, ebook lending sites. So we've done a recent interview with uh, ebook fling, which is one of the newest uh, book lending clubs. Uh, we've also recently done an interview with booklending.com, who uh, you know basically facilitates the lending process between Kindle users and uh, you know, Kindle uh, people who have books. So if you're not too familiar with uh, book lending, basically Amazon and Barnes & Noble recently instituted a policy that if you buy a book, you can lend it out. Although not all books have the lending privileges. If you are buying books on Amazon, there is um, a little thing there saying if the books are lendable or not, or if you're buying a book that has the capability of being lent. And uh, Barnes uh, Amazon implemented this on the tail end of uh, 2010, and uh, Barnes & Noble implemented their Lend Me service around May of uh, 2010. So they've been going a little bit longer. Uh, basically, if I buy a book and... I want to lend it out. All I need is uh, your email address that so I can send a book to you. So these ebook uh, lending clubs facilitate the process of uh, connecting users with each other. So you can save money on buying books by just having them lent to you for a two-week period. So we've pretty well been interviewing every major ebook lending company to. Um, you know, bring more attention to this ebook lending type of market and uh, help, you know, uh, help these companies get a little bit more exposure. So uh, people who maybe don't have a lot of money but have an e-reader, this is a great way that you can borrow a book, you know, read it in two weeks, it disappears from your device and goes back to the lender. So in principle, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a really cool kind of concept. And a lot of these companies, especially uh, ebook fling, uh, in a very short uh, period of time, you know, they got, you know, tens of thousands of users. And so uh, ebook fling facilitates both Barnes & Noble and Amazon, where a lot of the other sites just focus uh, specifically on Amazon. So if you want to read our full interview, we did a great one, and uh, it was published on April the 8th. And it's still, I believe, on our front page. If uh, not, you can click on our interview tab and uh, read prior interviews that we've done, uh, we often interview CEOs, uh, owners of companies, and uh, just try to find out more about them, uh, what they have in store for us uh, in the year, 
and um, just to give you guys more of um, to give you guys the heads up on how these companies work and uh, what do you know what things don't they say publicly but they want their customers to know and you know sometimes we ask some pretty hard questions uh, merely because you know we owe it to our readers to uh, not just sugarcoat you know everything when we do interviews often you know I'm interested to find out what experience do these people have uh, business wise is this their first company is it a one man operation is it a team you know uh, how did they get their startup capital to finance their business you know and things like that because often the answers could be quite surprising but also some of their answers could really help you know future entrepreneurs uh, say hey you know the, this is what these guys did this is what I was thinking about doing so I, I realize it's uh, it's plausible now so a lot of the times that's why we do these interviews is to uh, give you guys an indication on how their businesses work where they're coming from uh, where they're at now and where do they see themselves in a year from now and everywhere in between so uh, we're really proud of our interview uh, series with uh, not only the ebook lending clubs but interviewing the CEO of Notion Inc and uh, other e-reader and tablet companies and such so um, if you are an executive if you're a business manager a PR manager of any e-reader or tablet companies and you want to do an interview uh, with us at Goody Reader uh, you can email us at uh, sales or admin at goodyreader.com so you can uh, do that or you can email myself uh, directly at marcus at goodyreader.com so that's m-a-r-k-u-s at goodyreader.com and I would love to uh, connect up with any other company so uh, there you have it so this has been a week in review uh, with Goody Reader and we've covered a lot of things from ebooks to e-readers to tablets interviews and uh, reviews that we've done over the last week so of course it was a very busy week with a lot of uh, devices that we had our hands on, but it's just uh, it's business as usual here with Goody Reader. So um, thanks for listening, and everybody take care.